Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Brown. Big Jim and Gertie are with me as usual. We'll be looking back at all the Premiership action as well as ahead to the start of this season's Champions Cup this weekend. Plus, we'll be joined by Munster, Ireland and British and Irish Lions forward Tyke Byrne. So settle back, enjoy and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. How's your week been, lads? Home run is all I'm saying. Home run the home to run, holiday. James. The home run to holiday. So set the scene, James. Set the, set the scene when you're off. Well, I don't want to say in case my house gets robbed, but soon. Oh, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. I've got the baseball bat by my bed, so if anyone wants to come, you'll be getting that. So, when am I in? When am I not in? When are we going? So, I can't say. Uh, security camera's getting fitted at the minute. But, no, it's the it's not the calm before the storm. It's just the calm. So, I had a weekend with the family at home, which weren't that calmful, if that is a word. But I had a migraine. I had a migraine on Sunday. Oh, no. Basically, that's what I said to the missus, because I didn't want to be with the kids all weekend, so <laughs> I wasn't used to it. So you've so gone upstairs to watch the rugby somewhere, have you? Well, I watched the Leicester Quinns game in bed, but mate, I've been busy. Look, I think that you, you know what happens, Andrew. I don't know if you ever stop or if Pablo stops. Pablo must get this around Christmas where you give him a few days off. You know, when you're working and you're grafting and you stop and your body's like, right, thank you, much needed. I'm going to give you the flu. I'm going to give you a migraine or we're going to give you the shit. So we're going to give you something. Well, I've had the migraine, but I'm thankful for that because it's before the holiday and it's a weekend where the builders are in and that's not code for anything. The builders are in and I had the kids all weekend. So it came at a good time. Did the game on Friday, the big one. Hashtag always Edinburgh versus Benetton. Very good game actually. And hosted a wooden spoon lunch as well and raised millions, 10,000, but let's just say 10 million, just round it up. But we're on the wind down now. It's the calm before the storm, the calm before the calm. And as you can see, full beard, I say full lid at the sides. It's getting trimmed. The bush is getting trimmed. <laughs> Holiday, here I come. <laughs> Are you, uh, I bet Beck was pretty happy with you, wasn't she? First weekend where you actually worked on Friday, but Saturday, Sunday off. And you spent one of the days in bed saying you got a migraine. Not happy. Not happy. Without going into too much detail, we're getting the house done. And the painters come in, the electricians come in. He's drilling through a pipe. By the way, this isn't code, by the way, for ladies and gentlemen that are listening. (laughs) (laughs) He's drilling through your pipe, yeah. He's drilling through a pipe to try and get through to another pipe to get the wire connected for the cooker. Next thing, I'm lying in bed, I've got a migraine, and all I can hear is... I'm like that. Well, someone pipe down. What is that noise? Turn the noise down. Burst one of the pipes, isn't he? So there's a waterfall going on. Yeah, I've got the migraine. I can't open my eyes, but I can watch the rugby. And it's all kicking off. The poor missus. She need, if anyone needs a holiday, Beck needs a holiday. And she's, <laughs> she's getting one. 
If you said to her that she can upgrade a ticket to business class and you'll sit with the kids in the back with your knees around your ears or not? Well, we can turn left, but she can stop as soon as we turn left and I'll keep going or go up the stairs. <laughs> oh, nice. Look forward to hearing about the flight and everything. Andrew, it's nativity, though. That's why you've been off grid. How bad or how good? Sorry. Sorry, how good? Um, <laughs> yeah, so we, well, the weekend we had, uh, we had a couple of children's parties that I was basically a taxi service to and I thought like the twins are four and I'm like oh we'll just leave them there hell of a taxi though hell of a taxi yeah, service in the range it's not a bad taxi though, eh? yeah it's not a bad taxi but I said to the missus I'm like yeah we'll just leave the kids at the party no problem we'll go for a coffee or something or go and grab some lunch you know whatever it is and she's like you can't leave the kids there they're only four I'm like what are you on about of course you can there's a party there's other parents there looking after them all and so I tried to coax the nanny into coming. She wasn't having any of it. So I had to go to two kids' parties at the weekend. Screaming kids, when you multiply it by, we've got two. So you multiply that by 10. And you've just got a lot of noise going on at kids' parties. 20. I couldn't wait to get out. Yeah, I couldn't wait. To, well done, James. Yeah. Couldn't wait to get out there. But I got up to Leicester yesterday. So I was hosting the, uh, the Champions Club, they call it. It will soon be known as the Andy Good Suite as well, I think, at uh, Matteo. I love how you've completely changed allegiances now. Since Wasps uh, are in the relegation fight, but there's no relegation, <laughs> you have changed. I haven't this changed. This is the pun intended. You've changed your stripes from Bumblebees, a.k.a. Wasps, to Lions, a.k.a. Tigers. You've changed your strips. You have. I haven't changed it. Mate, I'm always a Tiger. I'm always a Wasp. You know, you can, you can happily Which host... one are you, though? Which one are you? Like, as in, if you had to go down the M69 and either turn off, well, obviously it's between Cobb and Leicester, but you could turn off at Inclair if you want. But if you had to carry on going or stop in Leicester, you had to do it. Where, where would you stop? Where would you park? Leicester well, if Leic or Mate, Cobb? if Leicester were playing at home, I'd go to Leicester. And if Wasps were playing at home, I'd go to Wasps. Because they don't play on the same day, James, at home. So it's quite a nice little thing money maker going. sorry it's, 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 quite a, a it's, a, it's a job mate it's a job and what i will say actually is i'm gonna have a massive shout out to jared aka the rugby guy people that do or don't follow him on twitter and Instagram. oh they follow him he's got double the followers of me and you put together and he ain't bought yeah. them no they yeah, know he's him. a great bloke actually bumped into him at Mattioli woods welford road you like the way i'm getting the sponsors in there uh, so I'm on point on on message and all that stuff. What a decent bloke. I love his banter. I love what he does on Instagram. He loves the pod as well. I said, you're going to have to come on the podcast. He said, oh, I'll be a bit nervous because it's not in front of a camera. I said, oh, don't you worry. We can put you in front of a camera. So, uh, yeah, good to see him up there. He was doing a bit of work for World Rugby. And, it, yeah, it was a good day yesterday. Welford Road was rocking. 25,000 there, I think. Packed house. And we'll get onto the games in a bit. But ultimately... The suite that I was hosting was rammed. The suite that Tom Croft was hosting, his was rammed as well. And uh, yeah, it was a great day out, actually. Really enjoyed it. And then today, James, nativity play at the kids' school. Do you reckon any of the kids did what they were told or what they'd learnt in the nativity play? They just see the parents and just start waving at all the parents. And then some of them start crying, so the other ones start crying. And then my two are just stood there dressed as sheep. I'm trying to work out what sheep are in a nativity play, but there we go. I don't know. I don't know. The shepherds, about. James. The no, shepherds Bethlehem. bought their sheep. Shepherds. Shepherds. <laughs> yeah, of course they did. I'm not invited back to the nativity or the school because last time I helped out with the school, I got in trouble by the teachers. So I was having to look after a group and it was on a, an excursion or whatever. I think they went to crocodile land. I didn't know there was crocodiles in Scotland, but apparently there are. And I took a class and do you think any of them were listening to me? And then we got to the point where lunch was absolutely starving. I hadn't eaten all day. And I look through the window and there's a class going on. So I say to the kids, we want lunch. Next thing, they all start chanting, we want lunch, we want lunch. The teacher comes out and is like, 
who is making that noise? <laughs> All the kids pointing at Mr. Hamilton. It's me. Um, got in trouble. Weren't invited back. Uh, just blame, hey, if in doubt, just blame the shepherd. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, well Gurney, you were, as you said, you were in Leicester. How was the game? Because it was billed as uh, George Ford against Marcus Smith at, at Welford Road, but it was more the defences that took centre stage, wasn't it? Yeah, there were loads of matchups in the game. Um, when you look at it, obviously the front row, Marler against Cole, and um, obviously Genji was involved as well. And you, know, you look at the number eights, Jasper Visa against Alex Dombrandt. Loads of matchups that you can talk about. Obviously, George Ford and Marcus Smith, the you know, the New England fly half against what was the old England fly half. Freddie Stewart, Tyrone Green. And it, it, it came down to a, a battle of basically a Scottish player didn't pass the ball and, and Harlequins lost. I mean, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to be Scottish player. Hugh Jones. He's effectively English as South African, but you might have been right. <laughs> um, no, listen, it was it was a game of fine margins. It was a proper ding-dong whereby you didn't see open flow in rugby. The weather was pretty brutal in the second half as the rain came down. George Ford's kicking was, you know, that spiral bomb. I would love to see James Hamilton under a spiral bomb. Uh, it's horrific just seeing it come down. <laughs> I'm looking up in the sky, the lights, the rain... And it's just swirling and everything comes down. I would love to have seen Jim Hamilton under a couple of them. I don't want to be horrible. And as we know, and the commentators said, this is their job to take them. I reckon I would have got closer than the Quinns boys did under that one. I would have just went straight, <laughs> straight off the forehead. Straight off the foreskin, I mean the forehead. Straight off the forehead is well, not a knock-on. I know. Just get up there and nut it. But- well, so Andrew, just to tell people what the spiral bomb is, because I'm watching it and I'm just nodding when Austin says it. So you've got the topen, which is end over end. You've got the spiral, which I can do. So I can do them too. What's the spiral bomb then? Hit us with it. Well, the, the spiral bomb is a, a mix of the two. So you, you're up and under is generally off the, the the base of the ball. You kick it upright from the bottom, straight up in the air, and it goes over, end over end. So technique for that would be as if you're volleying someone in the nuts and you go yeah. in south straight to north. Up. Straight up, Boom. yeah, straight up. Right. There you go, there you go. Now, obviously, the spiral kick is a lengthier one, so you're trying to tight spiral it, but going for length. And so you'd have a bit of a run-up and kick someone in the nuts that way, so it's more like an aeroplane taking off, necessarily. That's that more be... like when the Kovskins got volleyed in the head in Barcelona by the doorman, got a roundhouse kick, so it's a run-up with great technique, effectively. Yeah, yeah, and then... The spiral bomb is a hybrid between the two. So you're going for bomb height and distance, but with a screw kick spiral element to it. So you basically hold the ball up and you're kicking the fat of the ball as opposed to the end of the ball. So you're kicking the fat of the ball and it spins up in the air. And as it goes up, when it reaches its apex, the top of the apex, do you know what that is, James? That's the point where I'd scream your your, your ball. <laughs> yeah, something like that. As it comes down, it comes down like a bit of a dead duck. So you see as if you've shot a duck in the air and it's flying, and you probably shouldn't talk about harming animals, but imagine a flight of a Christmas, duck. It's Christmas. There's, yeah. there's a few getting shot. Imagine the flight of a, a duck that's been flying, that's been, or a pheasant or something, it just goes, boom, comes down, and it changes angle as it comes down because of the spiral, and you cannot predict particularly well where the ball's going to land. So it's, 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 an, it's a really tough skill to master, which George Ford clearly has spent a lot of time doing, but it's a hell of a skill... And, uh, you know, you get amazing results from it because you're basically getting a knock-on or cause absolute chaos in the back three any time it goes up in the air and everyone is shouting, your ball, your ball, Jim, where are you? Someone catch it. Oh, no, off the head, off the floor. And you, you, you're effectively, you're 
attacking players, your kick chase, are running onto a ball that could be going anywhere. And as we know, generally, as you know, an up and under goes up and isn't fielded particularly well, you've got the momentum running into that area and generally the you, you get the benefits from it. So, hell of a skill from George Ford. Um, Quinn's had their opportunities, you know, it, and it's a game at very fine margins. Leicester took theirs, um, you know, the tries they scored. It was an old school performance in the rain, but it was controlled. The last sort of half an hour was controlled by the halfbacks. I thought Ben Youngs was phenomenal, um, especially in the first half, making breaks for fun. But, you know, they're two top teams. You've got the champion team in Harlequins coming up against an unbeaten team in the Premiership. It was always going to be fine margins. Uh, both pretty much had their kind of full teams out and, you know, small moments decided the, the game. And obviously the, the big one for Harlequins was Hugh Jones just before half time. I know Lewis Liner created a try of absolutely nothing down the wing. Brilliant finish from him as well. But it was Leicester's power and Leicester's efficiency and kicking game that won it for them in that second half, really. And it was a real arm wrestle with Sandy Park as well, wasn't it? It was stuffy game. Actually, not overly impressed with how Saracens played. Defended well, as we know they do. A lot of emotion going into the game. Now, Rob Baxter got asked after. He kind of agreed that it was. But I think either way, the point was that both teams were fully loaded, weren't they? Really, yeah. apart from obviously Owen Farrell uh, being injured, long-term injury. It was Jamie one of them George games. Well. And Jamie George. It's one of them where it's a tough place to go and play. I've not peeling back on my comments around Exeter not making top four. I think they probably will now, <laughs> looking at how they played <laughs> at the weekend. They're a team, naturally, like most teams, you actually forget some of the quality that they've got because the narrative around Exeter is that they're, a, they're the ultimate team in terms of they've got very good players, well-coached, great place to play rugby, whereas actually... You see the players that came back into that team. Johnny Gray, obviously Johnny Hill back playing. I know that Simmons has been, uh, Joe Simmons has been on the bench. Luke and full flow. Luke Cowan-Dickey, captain for the first time. You actually start looking. They've got some quality, quality players. Some top quality players, which they've not had access to at the beginning of the season. So we saw a fully stacked Exeter team versus a fully stacked Saracens team. And it could have went either way. I thought the Saracens... It's the worst they've played, in my opinion, this season in terms of accuracy. We can get onto the discipline aspect of that as well. I was surprised that they took three points when they got a penalty at the end. They didn't go to the corner. They were ultimately felt like they were going for a draw. But to come that close to Exeter in what was an emotionally charged game, I think out of the two teams, who's going to be most fueled? Exeter. Because of everything that's gone by, everything that was said out of the Exeter camp, both from... Tony Rowe as the owner, Rob Baxter, some of the players, the fans. So all in all, it was a pretty decent result in hindsight from Saracens because they didn't play that well. But my goodness me, physical, physical game. And uh, I, I just think it shows how good it is to have Saracens back in the Prem again because you're going to get these games throughout the whole season where there's going to be that heightened emotion, Saracens-Quins. You know, we saw the Leicester game as well it's better that we've got that but again I just I'm not peeling back on my comments about about Exeter when they're fully loaded they're a very very good team as we know so are they making top four then Jim did I say they weren't making top four yeah you did you did peel back mate peel back <laughs> do Dave, you not think, Hughes, do you, Dave, Dave Hughes is back Jack Knowles back you know the list goes on obviously Henry Slade Luke Karansicki they're a quality outfit Jim the only thing they scr- struggled with scrum time 
that's where I'd be recruited if I was them. I'd be going all out looking for a top-end tight head. Not that they haven't well, got a top-end tight head. But well, in, yeah, in, I mean, ha- Harry Williams is out injured and obviously they lost Thomas Francis. He's gone back to Wales. So they haven't replaced Francis with a, another international prop. So yeah, that is an area that they, they may come under the pump at later in the season. But when they've got everyone fit and firing, which they did at the weekend, and it, that's why I love the game. It wasn't a high-quality game in terms of attacking rugby and the weather dictated a lot of it the wind the rain as you know you get down at sandy park sometimes but the intensity was worth watching alone you know there's collisions that were going on defensively saracens were phenomenal maratoji again the world's best nose around the park and that's a compliment like everything that he does must infuriate the opposition um and that's that's a you know it's very john esque isn't it what he used to do to teams back in the day Maratoji's taken that to another level. Charge downs, smashing rucks, annihilating malls. Basically, Jim Hamilton, everything that he, he should used to be do. captain. I've said it, he should be captain. <laughs> After last week's comments, he's unfollowed me on social. Can you believe yeah. it? Can you believe really? what that's like? Unfollowed can, yeah. me. Jim, I thought you were tight. I thought you were like good mates. Clearly not. You can't give your opinion on anyone, can you, these days? Yeah. Um, but, but, but going back to my point, Andrew, just quickly. How hard is it to call the top four? And you asked my question. So I'm trying to defend myself here with all the extra listeners, me saying that they're not going to make the top four. They are fifth. They've played 10 games. So they've played the most games out of anyone alongside Worcester, the poor lads, and London Irish. So the other teams above them and Gloucester below them have got a game in hand. I know it's early days. Do we think extra are going to be in the top four? When you look at Leicester, yes. who are definitely yeah, Saracens, Northampton... You're bloody right we do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and this, I think, like, looking at them, when they were, yeah, it, emotionally it was charged, wasn't it? There's loads of stuff going on at the club around the changes to their branding and everything as well. You know, Saracen's back in town where th- that's been the big rivalry before, you know, the, I think they lost, did they lose three finals to Saracen's? Exeter did. Yeah. Um, you know, and those three finals were three finals where they were found to cheat the salary caps. It's always going to be emotionally charged, you know. The last time Saracens went to Sandy Park, I was there with BT Sport, and it would have been, I think it was either December 2019 or January 2020, whenever the game was, but around that Christmas period. And the atmosphere then was phenomenal as well. And funnily enough, you talk about discipline, and you talk about Billy Vanapola, who's a wonderful player, as we've always said on here. You go back to that game, the last time he was down there, it was when he made the comment to Wayne Barnes, he said, I'm a grown-ass man. Do you remember that? Yeah, was and then that this, that game? Th- that was that game, yeah. Uh, and then this week, Luke Pearce, I don't know whether there was something in it from, you know, the referees talking about it and Wayne Barnes. Maya said to Luke Pearce, well, this is what happened last time. I, you know, when Billy was told to go away and he's like, I'm a grown-ass man, blah, blah, blah. This time he gets marched back 20 metres. Obviously, Mako got marched back 10 metres for back chat as well. So I don't know whether it was something that the refs had thought about pre-match because of the history of that game. Don't forget there was also that fight a couple of years ago where I think it was Harry Williams legged it from the bench um, and got sent off as well from the bench or something and then got a ban subsequently. So there's always drama between those two teams because they've been so competitive. Exeter will always feel a bit cheated. Saracens, you know, whenever you're playing the top team, it's like Harlequins this year. They're the champion team, so everyone raises their game when they play against them. You know, it's the same thing when we were back in at Leicester back in the day, Jim, when we were winning year after year and then Wasps were winning year after year. Everyone raises your game to play the champion team and Saracens will always be a champion team for their history. And, you know, it was a highly charged atmosphere that was, it was compelling viewing, wasn't it? Well, Jim, I don't want you to lose another teammate off social media, but what did, what was your reaction to 
Billy's back chat situation. Completely fair enough. I don't think there's any questions around it. You know, Billy and Mako have got history in terms of wearing their emotional Nestle's, like many players do. Saracens, you know, Faz, you know, high-profile players, Dan Bigger, Johnny Sexton. It is creeping into the game. Um, I could see the Billy one unfolding. When Exeter scored their try and then subsequently went back for a forward pass, Billy was speaking to Luke Pearce then, and I was thinking to myself, you need to be careful, Billy. Uh, they've apologised after the game. Mark McCall called them out, rightly so. He didn't name them, but it was obvious after the game because it cost Saracens. That did cost them a try. And also the discipline around the narrative of Saracens will come into question now. Goody just mentioned he brought back up that one that we laughed about, but we don't want to see it. We always talk about hashtag rugby values. Well, I don't. A lot of people do. They put it out there. And it is coming into question over the last couple of years. So Luke Pierce, fair play. You know, he's a top-level ref. Uh, he's a well-respected ref. He makes more right decisions and wrong decisions. And you look at the game on the Sunday, the Leicester Quinns game, it didn't happen. So they've obviously picked it up as players. And you understand, because you only need to do it once or twice or three times, as we saw Saracens against Saracens, and it won't happen again. So I'm all, I'm all for it. I ain't saying any more than that because I want Billy to follow me and keep liking me tweets and stuff on social <laughs> if, they, so if that's basically, okay, because it's a big thing. Yeah, basically, you've lost Billy Vanapolo from your social media following, you've lost Mako, you've lost Owen Farrell, you've lost Marrow. You better just you better just become a, a Wasp fan, Jim, wearing the mighty cov. Yeah, I don't think I can. I don't think <laughs> I can follow Wasps at the minute. They just ain't good enough, Andrew. Worcester, on the other hand. Uh, there we go. We'll, go. we'll get to that later. But yeah, I mean, the only, the only, thing, the only thing I could question about Luke Pearce on that is he did give a warning. Billy got marched back 20 metres, didn't he, effectively? He gave a warning. He said, any more of that from him, and he gets binned, right? But then there was two other instances. He wouldn't he would look at him. Oh, I know. But what about when he's like Jackson Ray's trying to calm him down as the captain, and then he wrenches his arm off Jackson Ray as Jackson Ray's trying to do the right thing as one of the co-captains and yeah it, it, it was highly charged but I thought to get marched back 40 metres in total after giving Billy a warning after 20 and obviously the other two occasions were were, were separate Mako one and I don't know who the other one was actually was it Alex Goode the other one um, I thought he could have given one of them a yellow card that had really stamped it out I think but hey there we go well Michael Harvey's asked us on Twitter if we can talk about how good Worcester were this week yeah, they played well. My old club. I mean, hallelujah. It's about time. <laughs> um, no, listen, it was... And funnily enough, uh, I had a phone call from a mate of mine in Cov over the weekend. He said, I've just seen you on TV, Goody. I'm like, you what? He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they showed a clip, apparently, on the news from the very last time that Worcester beat Wasps before this weekend, which was when I was playing for Worcester in God knows when, like 2013 or something. So it had been about... With the skullet? Uh, yeah, that was, mate, there's definitely... The gloves were there, the red cyclers, the skullet. And basically what I did was I put a little chip over, David Lemmy scores a try and Worcester win. But I didn't realise it was that long. So so Worcester have never beaten Wasps since they've moved up to Coventry, home or away, which is a phenomenal stat when you think about it. It's like eight years or something. Um, so it's a massive win for Worcester. Oh my, Duan van der Merwe, the biggest unit you've ever seen running that. A silly, silly speed. I mean, you wouldn't fancy tackling him, would you, Jim? Well, they're saying to Duan, we've brought you here. We're paying you a shitload of money. You're rocking up for Scotland. You ain't rocked up for us. <laughs> Show us the rands that are going over to South Africa. 
and show us them now. We need you. We need you. We need them pipes, the three pipes, sprinting up that wing and bursting through tackles. And what they ask, they got. Yeah, they did. They did. And the key thing, like he played really well. Um, I think Chudley came off the bench at halftime, played pretty well, opened up a try. And the, the, the two key moments really were, Wasp made loads of errors. They've got a massive, you talk about injuries, James. You talk about Exeter. You mate, you've off. told us. You've told us injuries. about the injuries. The last, 18, you've told us. 18, James. You've told us the last you, two weeks. But you've just said, well, yeah, we just talked about Exeter and you're like, they've got their boys back from injury. They've got yeah, but that's Johnny Gray back. We're, we're, yeah, talk, we're talking about Worcester avoiding relegation if there was relegation. Like This is very <laughs> different. All right, there's only one team going down this year, and that's Bath. Uh, but no one's going down, so they're safe. Um, but yeah, listen, there was there was a try uh, either side of half time. So Worcester scored a try just before half time, and then a minute after half time, and that is where the game was won and lost. Uh, Wasp played some decent stuff attacking, but they've they've always got errors in them that lead to tries. Um, you know, defensively, it's, uh, heard Lee Blackett talking about it after the game. How, how do you score? Five tries away from home and lose the game, and that's where Wasps are at the minute with a lot of their senior players out. Um, you know, you look at Launchbury, Jack Willis, Palo Adogru, Malachi Fekitoa. You start putting these boys back in, it's a whole different team. So, um, when are they yeah, back in, Goody? So, when are these players uh, coming back? It's going to be another month or so, I think, still. And but Lee, listen, it's a 26 round Premiership season this year, isn't it? So, what I do know is, uh, you know, the chat around Wasp at the minute is just trying to stay in touch. Um, they've got a huge injury list, trying to stay in touch. And the frustrating thing is. Last two weeks, they've given a big lead to a, to two teams, both Gloucester at home and then Worcester away, where they were something like thirty points to fifteen down, give or take. So you know, fifteen to twenty points ish down, and they've fought back and nearly won it at the death. Yes, yeah, so they've got two bonus points over the last two weeks in each game, where it could have been two five pointers, and those small margin victories make the difference come end of the season when it's top four or not. So they've they've dropped six points effectively in the last two weeks and. Um, they'll be frustrated, but they also know that they've they've got a lot of cavalry to come back later in the year. So what do they do now, Goody? Because they've got Munster, my goodness me, at the weekend in Europe. And yeah. you look at Gloucester, for example, they've got some of their lads in doobs on the chicken stag do, apparently. So they're clearly thinking Prem and not Europe. How are Wasps going to front up against Munster? Well, we don't know what sort of Munster team is going to rock up, obviously. They've got their own COVID issues. All I know is... On Sunday, the Andy Good suite is absolutely sold out. It's rammed. There's, there's the whole <laughs> business mafia is great. From, but, yeah, the whole Irish mafia from Cover come in for Munster and all this stuff. I think that bloke. Do you remember that bloke that threatened Billy Vanapola with the shoe? I reckon he's coming as well from oh, when yeah. Munster play, play wasps in Coventry. Um, yeah, God knows, mate. It's it's one of them. They'll keep battling, and it's a new competition, so it's a new emphasis. Munster are undoubtedly with everyone fit. Uh, you know, a tough proposition to to face um, for Wasps in the position that Wasps are in with the injuries. But obviously Munster, we know the issue, issues that they've had over the last sort of 10 days being out in South Africa and who can play, who can't play, who's isolated, you know, and we'll, we'll, we'll find out and chat about that over the next sort of few days, etc. But it's a new competition, so you've got to back yourselves. Um, we need some of the injured boys back. I don't think there's any more back come this weekend, although Alfie Barbary is back. He came off the bench, so hopefully he starts and... We've got a bit of go forward. With Alfie Barbary, I sent him a picture when we were in Cardiff because his mate was chatting to me and didn't believe that I knew Alfie Barbary, which I don't. I just followed him that night, sent him a picture, and then me and the Barbs were going back and forth. And he said, I was the go-at. I don't think he said you're the go-at. No, um, he might not have said that. Maybe I said, do you think I'm the go-at? And he didn't reply. But nonetheless, that <laughs> was in the terminology of, of back and forths. Yeah, he's a, he's a good young player. 
that's now focusing on number eight because Eddie Jones has told him to. Goody, you touched on Bath there. How do they turn things around now? Because they were hammered at the weekend by Saints, weren't they? Yeah, I mean, when it rains, it pours for Bath. Um, and you feel for them. Mainly I feel for them because Ed Griffiths is there, which is not great. Um, but in reality, they had loads of injuries again. And we're chatting about Wasp with injuries. Bath have got a big injury list as well. When you take out some of their players that have have been missing over the last few weeks. Then you rock up, they lose someone in, in the warm-up, they lose their half-backs early on in the game as well. And, you know, Stuart Hooper is, you know, really battling. They've got the worst defence in the league comfortably. Uh, and sometimes you've got to look at it, and unfortunately for them, whereas Jim said was to play in Munster this weekend at the Coventry Building Society Arena, I think Bath have got the toughest task. They're going away to Leinster in round one of the Champions Cup. And that could be an absolute hockey in. But it's one of them. You've just got to stay tough, um, You know, take the positives out of certain things. There was a bit of set-piece dominance at times from them. But fair play to Northampton. We know, listen, Vesti's a, Sam Vesti's a, a friend of ours. Uh, I'm not sure he's a friend of the show because we call him the bogey monster. Um, Chris, Chris Boyd, who you know I've known for quite a few years, he coached me when I was at the Sharks in South Africa, is a wonderful coach. The accuracy and the width that they put on the ball. Dingwall played exceptionally well at 13. Freeman on the wing was was brilliant. Skozan as well. When they get the ball in space with the accuracy, the passing accuracy from bigger. Hutchinson played pretty well. He's got over his bit of a nightmare he had against Leicester a few weeks back out of position. He was back in the centres. Saints are good. Like we've always said that when they're on the front foot attacking well. Augustus at number eight is class. Um, and sometimes you've got to say to Bath, listen, it's a... Really tough period. You've got injuries. You've got some tough games away from home. Yeah, they showed a lot of bite the other week against Exeter at home. But this week, again, things transpired against them. You feel for hoops. you just got to get that speech out again, hoops, and arouse people, eh, James? Well, you do wonder, and I wonder even more, because I was thinking it myself, but I didn't tweet about it. But Flats tweeted about it at the weekend, and he was talking about the substitutions. Uh, Underhill, uh, immense against Bristol. He subbed off Spencer and Bailey, excellent against Exeter, same thing. And then Will Stewart versus Saints, um, who I thought was playing really well as well. So I don't know whether there's a time management thing here. I think in Sam Underhill, you've got one of the best back row players in your team. Like I, I, yeah. I don't know whether he's carrying a knock or whatever needs to be managed. I would have him on. I'd have him playing as much as possible. And you say that, it's easier said than done when you're playing in the position and you're banging boys like he's banging boys every week. But yeah, I mean, Bath is what it is now, the bottom of the league. I can't see it changing. Worcester uh, eking out, dominating Wasp. I mean, they're just eking out performances now. <laughs> and do you know what the funny thing about this, Andy Rowe? Every week that Gloucester win, we're going to get an apology. Gloucester in the top four yeah, for a how, bit. For a bit. They're not, James. They're not, James. They were for they're a safe. bit. They were for a bit. They were for a bit on Friday. <laughs> yeah. How impressed are you with Gloucester? Because a lot of people were picking them to be bottom. Yeah, who would have said that? Who would have said that? Probably the same podcast that thought Exeter wouldn't finish in the top four. <laughs> exactly. What do we know? And doesn't it get reminded to me on social media when Gloucester have a victory? Gloucester fans come at me and load of them actually retweeted my column where I said, Quinns might not make the top four and Gloucester will finish bottom. Um, so apologies again to all Gloucester fans. Deep apologies. But also you're welcome because at the start of the season, they'd had a difficult back end of the season last year opening two games they lost away at Northampton and then at home to Leicester and I'm thinking yeah I'm right but from what I heard Lance Bradley's been in there he said Goody and Jim have given you stacks on the rugby pod and they've come good they really have listen the game on Friday night it was 
you're thinking about it, and Gloucester should have probably been way further ahead in that first half, the way they played. They're driving more to the cowsheds and back, James. Um, you know, is outstanding. I, I think they've scored a try off a line-out in every game this year, be it a driving line-out or a play around that. It's a real strength of theirs. And Skibbs has got, you know, he's gone back to basics. You look what Borthers did at Leicester, went through some pain, went back to basics, reaped the rewards. They're now top of the league, unbeaten. You know, not only nine from nine in the Premiership, but two from two in the Premiership Cup as well. And that breeds success. Gloucester, same thing happened. They've gone back to basics, driving line-out, strong kicking game. Harris and Atkinson in the centres are quality, quality players. Atkinson, I've said it on here before. You know, I know he got captain in November uh, for England, but he's got everything. He's a big unit. He's got classy handling skills. What about his little grubber kick for the try for Harris? And it was the, ultimate you know, prem player, yeah. isn't he? Why are you being horrible? Why can't? Why isn't he international? I'm just talking to him about being an international, and you're saying he's an ultimate well, he's prem got, player. He's only got one cap. I mean, if you're he was playing for Wales, he might have got he might have got sixty, but he's ultimate prem player. As in, if you were picking a prem fifteen. He'd be there or thereabouts every time. And probably Chris yeah. Harris, to be fair, in the centre. In yeah. terms of, like, if you didn't pick internationals, but you obviously would pick internationals. Non-capped, even though he is capped. <laughs> Where are you going? World Premiership 15s. Atkinson, <laughs> now, what I'm trying to say is I'm a big fan, is all I'm saying. Yeah. In yeah. terms of, what, I don't know how much he gets paid, right? So this is going to be before. I didn't want to say it. In terms of how much he probably gets paid compared to a top-level international twelve. Now, I can ask Ravo's arm. He probably won't tell me. I can go to Davy Pish. We can ask him the agent. He might tell me. But ultimate Prem player. And you actually look across Gloucester's books. You've got that. You've got Rapava Ruskin, loose head, top quality player. He's probably paid like an international. Don't know that for sure. Ed Slater, I, I know he's been injured. Freddie Clark, you know, 100th game at, uh, at the weekend for the club, who's been playing in the second row. He's been unbelievable. Lewis Ludlow as well. He was ridiculous at the weekend. Him and Ackerman. He's, re- he's how hard ridiculous is Lud- every week. How hard is Ludlow? Like he he yeah, looks. Yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't look. Mate. He doesn't look massive, but he just looks hard as they come. I told you didn't I, on the podcast before he pulled me back in training when he was about thirteen. Yeah, and banged you out. Well, no, I've grabbed him and then looked around and was like, "Hang on, who is is this? Like, whose kid's this?" He pulled me back as I was going through. Well, no, 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 well, I thought, yeah, I thought, hang on, there's going to be a kid here that's snoring. But it was, it was I called him Little Chief from then on in. But my point being, you look at the profile of Gloucester, and then you look at the coaches that they've got without going over old ground. Uh, great club, great foundations, and a big fair play has got to go to Ravos. I mean, Skivs uh, for sorting that place out. And you feel now that Skivington's probably going to be at the helm, hopefully for the next four, five, six years, maybe longer. And he's going to add to that, probably bringing some more South Africans and all is good. But yeah, quality win. And what we should say on Bristol's as well, oh, my semis is back. Did you see him when he came on? Oh, oh, but this is the <laughs> thing. Oh, oh, my semis back. And this is where you've got to credit uh, Gloucester and their defence because semis first touch in that second half when he's come on at half time, he's basically, all he's done, and I say all he's done, he's put the fear of God up two defenders that have both stepped in to tackle him and he's just gone round the back offload, off they go 50 yards. But what Gloucester did is they barred up after that and you know, realised that Semi's here. The writing was on the wall, wasn't it? I think I put oh, my Semi out on Twitter and a load of Gloucester fans came back and were like, yeah, oh, this is going to be the, the, the turn of the tide now and you know it's going to be one-way traffic. And it wasn't because their defence, Gloucester's defence was absolutely heroic at times. And then you add in their driving line out, they got a penalty try and 
obviously the try in the first half from Singleton. You know, Bristol, they had that purple patch where Semi's made the offload. Then two minutes later, Charles Piatau has made a ridiculous break. He's actually fended off Atkinson and gone round him, then danced around someone else. And you're thinking, this is the Bristol that we've been waiting for, for, you know, last year that were outstanding throughout the season. But Gloucester wrestled back control of the game and absolutely dominated them. And, and you know, Bristol chucked some, th- you know, threw a few shots at them, chucked the ball around a bit. But Gloucester had an answer for pretty much everything after those two little breaks. It probably focused the mind and, and sharpened them up a little bit, thinking we can't just let Semi offload anywhere. And they attacked breakdowns. They got turnovers. Ackerman was phenomenal. And then what a finish to the game, though. Charlie Chapman, a Gloucester born and bred bloke, Yeah, he used to buy a season ticket for the shed, apparently, when he was a little kid. And then he goes and scoots away from the scrum, absolutely rinses Purdy, poor Purdy, just didn't know where to go, inside or outside. And then the finish in the corner for the bonus point. Imagine being him, like you've come off the bench. And one of the things that I love seeing after the game was Ben Meehan, the scrum half, who has gone to Gloucester this year, Australian lad ran on they had a hug like you wouldn't believe on the field because he was so happy for him even though you're competing for the nine jersey he's a Gloucester lad doing that in front of his own fans a youngster that's the best moment of his life so far and what a celebration afterwards I saw Atkinson try and pick him up as if to say he's one of you lot in front of the shed and he couldn't pick him up he wasn't he wasn't letting him pick him up I was hoping it was going to be like a little boy just being held in the air but mate what a feeling that must be yeah, yeah, what a feeling that must be for him. Uh, yeah, it was class. He was batting his chest, obviously, at the shed. Been there, mate. You know, played against Bath and big fight kicks off and I get barreled into the shed. You know the story, don't you? I basically get lifted into the, into the shed by the Bath players and then end up filling them all in. They're all on the floor and then I take a pint off someone from the shed, chop it, and then end up scoring off the back of a driving line out. You remember that, is no? that no, Is that the one where you <laughs> chip yourself from Butch James and lobbed it on the floor? <laughs> Could well have been similar thing. Someone was screaming tip. Will James was screaming tip. I'm sure I was, but apparently he was shouting latch, and I've just got scared because Butch James yeah. is taking my head off and throwing the ball into touch. But anyway, what I'm trying to say is Charlie Chapman, unbelievable name, and it, I, you know, it was one of them where I think everyone was smiling, whether you were there or like we were, Andrew, watching it on TV at home. Uh, what a moment for him. And uh, yeah. we've spoken about these young lads who were playing for England and, and get these opportunities for a Gloucester young lad like that. I mean, nights that dreams are made of, aren't they? What are your thoughts on Pet Lamb's comments after the game? You don't lose, you learn. But he said in his interview after the game, I'm loving the journey and learning about stuff. And you've got to try and spin a positive on it, right? Because it's one of those, isn't it? They finished top last year. I know they've got injuries as well, but Jim doesn't like the old injury excuse, do you, James? They've had a few injuries, no. obviously. The best player in the world, Semi's been out, uh, but he's back now. But they've gone from top dogs to now they're 12th in the league, aren't they? And you talk about, you know, you're hammering wasps, Jim, but Bristol, the expectation I'm on jesting. them... I'm jesting. I know, I'm joking. Uh, but the expectation on Bristol, where they've been and now where they are, and I know that the Premiership's a different beast this year because there's a lot of more competitive teams, but you've got to be asking questions. He signed a contract to 2028, hasn't he, or something? Five-year extension on top of two equals seven. <laughs> Ugh, Romeo Dunn. Fair play. I mean, it's a hell of a lot of cash to be paying. Um, but they'll, they'll come out of it. Obviously, you get your top players back and things will improve. You know, there was no Sinclair again at the weekend. Obviously, Semi Randrandra's coming back. But there are, there are some question marks there around how they play, around their effectiveness now. And yeah, it'd be interesting times for them. Thoughts, Jim? Well, without stating the obvious, the proof's in the pudding now, isn't it? The sign of good coaches. We've seen that not just in rugby and all sports. When it's all going well, you're on the front foot and you're loving life and you see everything on social media and Bristol have a great social media. They're very innovative. 
we've had people on the show from Bristol. They open their doors to the media. I watched the one they did on BT Sport with uh, the assistant coach, some of the players, and obviously Pat Lamb as well. But the proof is in the pudding, without stating the obvious, is how they come through this. They're clearly reliant on Semi. Of course you are. Absolutely. We're talking about probably the best player in the Premiership. So it's when you've not got him, we've seen kind of what's happened. Now they have got him, and if he can stay fit, we saw even the snapshot at the weekend against Gloucester. He's going to open the doors for everyone in that team uh, because he can get on the front foot. But the proof will be collectively is how Pat brings them through. That's where yeah. you're paying coaches big money, aren't you? And we see how quickly it can turn. Look, look at Wasp two years ago. Die Young goes, Lee Blackett takes the reins, transforms the team. And now, <laughs> I know we were joking about it, but load of injuries and Wasp are struggling again. Quinns, you know what I mean? Guzzy goes. Quinns win the league. Ash, Ashy goes. Ashy goes. Goes to Worcester. Shocking. Uh, <laughs> you know, look at Sale. Sale under Alex Anderson uh, last year comes in. Massive, massive turn in terms of the way that they're playing, the energy, the culture in the club. And Sale have struggled this year. So the proof is in the pudding with the amount of money that the club have invested in Pat. There's no doubt that he's a good coach. But you just wonder what the culture's like when you're losing every week. The whispers start happening. Andrew, we've been there. There's a fine line between honest men and guys that moan. I was in that fine line many a time. Um, <laughs> so we'll see. I think, I think Bristol will come good. Get the players back. Get Semi back on the pitch. Get into the, the drier months in February, March, April. They might be okay. They might be. Top four? No, I don't think they'll make top four, no. What about London Irish? They're looking pretty good. Oh, gosh. Mate, they are. they are. I think they've won seven of their last eight games now across all competitions and they are a joy to watch at times you know going to watch London Irish there's going to be try score they're the top try scores in the premiership Ollie Hassel Collins is the size of a horse the speed of a horse I just need to know whether he's hung like a horse as well wow if you look without stating the obvious <laughs> yes we'll just say yes shall we you know three tries for him the first one was just out-and-out out speed, talent, and ability to beat people. Paddy Jackson floated a hell of a seed over the top to him for his second try. Uh, and we've said it on here before, Paddy Jackson is playing exceptionally well. Kyle Rowe for the first try, and I've talked about him on here before. Scottish Sevens International has 100% got the best hairdo in the Premiership right now. The dirtiest mullet you've ever seen. Shaves it in every week, I reckon. Great footwork. And they're exciting to watch. They really are. I know Dino complained about their seven-hour bus, car, journey, whatever it was, down from Newcastle to London, and they were still been asleep there, in the first half. I've commuted. I've been there, mate. mate I, I used to commute up to Newcastle and back from Newcastle on a, on a plane. What's, that, what's happened to the plane, boys? Time's gone hard. Very different, Andrew, getting picked up in a Mercedes people carrier, taken to the BA first-class lounge and flown up with long legs, drinking gin and tonic on the way up with a pack of crisps and a vape, <laughs> and then getting whisked off to training. And not doing any contact than having your knees up. Have they still got these Ford Galaxies? I remember them coming down. Whatever club when I was at Leicester or Gloucester, they've come down the four Galaxies. I'm thinking, you lads are getting hammered today. <laughs> Humbly. Humbly. They had and PlayStations they in the back. And they did, yeah. They generally yeah. did, yeah. Um, Apart, but when you go back up there at Christmas, yeah, it was the other way around. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, listen, we'll come on to Falcons in a minute. That You know, their Falcons are a decent side. Hayden Wood at 10. Lovely little ball for one of the tries. But... It was all about London Irish, that they're in form. You know, we had, they had a few games earlier on the season that they kept drawing, where they were coming back from 
um, giving up a, a big lead to start off with, but they're starting to dominate games from, from the get-go now. Augustin Crivy at hookers playing exceptionally well. He looks about 50, but he's still rocking it hard in the Premiership. They're exciting to watch, aren't they? And, you know, who knows where they get to. They had this spell last year, though, if you remember as well, and then they fell off in the second half of the season. I think they ended up missing out on the place in the Champions Cup in the, I think it was the last game of the season, actually, maybe to Wasps. So I think the next two weeks where they're in the Challenge Cup will be great for them because then they can kick on and really focus in the Premiership, whereas other teams have got to go to war over the next two weeks in the Champions Cup. And, um, you know, they're exciting to watch, Irish. I like them. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddle boards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Let's have a look at the URC as well now then, because, Jim, it was a good weekend for the Scottish sides, wasn't it? It was. I mentioned hashtag always Edinburgh, beat Benetton, playing very well. Now, I don't know how many of the listeners, there'll be a load of Edinburgh fans that listen to the Scottish fans. Edinburgh playing incredibly well. Goody, Ben Velicott is carving up the You're URC. You're welcome. You're welcome. Absolutely Wasps. carving up. Absolutely. We sent him up there from Wasps and said, mate, your future is in Scotland international. Um, so Edinburgh fans, you're very welcome. They do offer something positive in rugby then, Wasps, but I jest. I'm joking. <laughs> uh, very good. Uh, but yeah, Edinburgh, very good. Uh, Magnus Bradbury, 100th game for Edinburgh. Bull of a player, was wicked. He got player of the match at the weekend. Uh, competition for Hamish Watson with Luke Crosby, Jamie Ritchie, Bill Matter in the back row. Edinburgh starting to build some real strength in depth. And there's obviously a natural bias. And because I have more insight, because I commentate on Scottish teams most weeks, the brand of rugby they play uh, is phenomenal. Darcy Graham, they've got Emiliano Buffelli, the Argentinian 15, who's class yeah. Blair Kinghorn at 10 as well. The big challenge for them is going to be this weekend. We'll see where they are. They've got Saracens in the CU, in the sorry, in the Challenge Cup uh, this weekend. But yeah, f- for the URC, considering the troubles they've had this weekend, there are some quality games and that was one of them. But it wasn't the pick of the weekend's games. There's obviously a reshuffle because the South African teams were meant to be playing against the Scarlets and Munster and Zebra. But we know that because of COVID without going into that, they didn't. So they had their home games, as it were. So the Sharks played the Bulls, Andrew. The Sharks won 30 points to 16. My old team, James. My old team. There you go. Fully loaded. Uh, Khaleesi played. He'd, he'd, he'd finished his world tour, um, which was great. <laughs> Lacan man of the match. There you go. So it was good to see, actually, the South African players come back in because we were unsure whether they were going to play because they've had such a long period away playing 
in the Championship and the Autumn Nations Cup as well. But yeah, it's, they want it's, to it's actually, 16. And it's actually weird for them because if, if you think of historically what these boys have done, this is the first year that the big four have been in the URC. So the Sharks, the Bulls, the Stormers and the Lions, who are naturally the big four provinces. Um, they're normally end of season tour in November. Then they're off till post-Christmas. Their pre-season is in January to start Super Rugby normally at the back end of Jan, isn't it? So it is good to see them, isn't it? Because it's a, it's a seismic shift for them in terms of their planning for the year. Those South African boys are going to have to play a lot of ruggers again, aren't they? Especially if they're rocking up in the URC all the way through to the Rugby Championships next summer. Yeah, absolutely, with the travel as well. Did you see our Ulster got beat by the Ospreys, who had 40-50 pot on them the week before at Connor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Connacht go to Leinster and take an absolute hiding as well. You yeah, are crazy, James. So, Andrew, we spoke about the Pro 12, Pro 14 being average. The URC, to be fair, a massive positive. If we can get a positive out of the COVID stuff we've had this weekend. But, yeah, huge positive in terms of the quality of games because it's pushing it done. It's cold. It's windy. And we're seeing loads of tries and we're seeing loads of quality as well. So, buzzing. Big shout out to the URC and the teams playing decent ruggers. Apparently, there's a decent pundit on Friday night as well at the Edinburgh game. Oh, oh. Chris Patterson. Oh, was it? <laughs> no, James, James Hamilton. Yeah, James Hamilton. Kick. Well, we can have a chat now with a man who might be able to tell us a little bit more now. Munster Island and British and Irish Lions forward Tyke Byrne joins us. How are you, mate? Yeah, good. Thanks for having me, lads. Nice, Ty. Great to have you back on. Give us a lay of the land. I don't know what you can and can't tell us. If we go based on your social media, it looks like you're somewhere cold, which means home in Ireland. Can you tell us anything about what's happening, where you are, where they are? Well, I think, as Monster had said, they just, there's a few lads who, who managed to get home and then there's a few lads over in SA. Um, I was one of the lucky ones who didn't end up flying out. We were due to fly out on the Saturday and obviously it all unfolded on the Friday. So, um we dodged a bullet, um, really. So, got to, we all feel for those boys. You know, I think it's 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 tough times for a lot of them. You know, uh, stuck in a room, especially those with families and stuff. But you know, I think they'll get through it hopefully, and um, they'll be back soon. Yeah, I mean, obviously the the main concern is is everyone fit and okay. And I know obviously there's some boys have tested positive for COVID, but hopefully they're okay, bar the confines of a, a hotel room in a, in a lockdown. Yeah, exactly, and I think. You know, some lads over in SA, I think they're able to do a bit of training. Um, and then a few lads here have got, got stuff to their to their homes and that, so they're able to do a bit of training as well. You know, I don't I don't think anyone's too ill, which is the main which is the main thing and um hopefully they'll be out sooner rather than later. Yeah, Ty, I'm sure there's only so much you can say and you probably wanna say, and we've not got you on just to talk about this, but I think from a perspective of having been a player and also having a family and also caring about the season and my team and understanding that Europe's coming up and obviously the Six Nations is around the corner and all these other things that come with it. And then I look at Matthew Morgan's tweet, who was clearly absolutely raging, the Cardiff fullback, uh, to the point where he deleted his Twitter. Um, how has it all been as a player in this? Do you, is there a vulnerability? Are you pissed off? Do you feel like it's been looked after or is it one of them you don't really know? It's probably, it's not really... A- place for me to talk about because I'm not really in any of those situations um I'm lucky enough to to be at home with my family and uh you know I don't have to deal with being stuck in a hotel room being stuck in a hotel room in a different country unknowing if you're going to be able to get home or not for Christmas um that that I'm sure that kind of 
that would be playing on the players' minds a lot. And I can imagine mentally more than anything, it's that's that's what's going to be difficult with this situation. So, you know, you put the league and Europe and everything to one side, and you kind of think about the player welfare more than anything. And I think that's all that's all we're concerned about more than anything. The main thing to take out of this is the missus have made you do a beautiful Christmas tree behind you in the, in the meantime. Haven't you? So. <laughs> that's, one, that's one of her. That's one of her Christmas trees. She's done well. <laughs> you've got a big yeah you've got a few christmas trees you've got a big house then and rightly so after the year and well even longer that you've had you've oh. been phenomenal obviously this weekend against wasps uh is a massive game uh i'll be at the mighty coventry building society arena hosting the andy good suite i don't know do you want to come upstairs for a q a or are you in a bubble you probably can't can you <laughs> thankfully we'll be in a bubble good thankfully yeah. <laughs> you don't fancy there'll be plenty of monster fans there i reckon uh there's a there's quite a contingent in Coventry. Always have uh, a travelling contingent. Yeah, they'll be following you. But uh, yeah, looking forward to the game. Obviously, you know, there's a lot of unknowns for you guys still. There's, there's players potentially coming on loan and all that stuff. We've seen EPCR relax the regulations. I think even Jim put his hand up and said he'd happily play for Munster in the second row as long as Paulie O'Connell played as well. But it's not happening, is it? <laughs> not going to happen. Sorry, Jim, boy. And let, let's, we've got to rewind the cock a little bit because uh, that victory against the All Blacks that you had a massive part of, especially in the second half, I mean... How many beers were sank after that game? Because that was a hell of an atmosphere watching it on TV. I can't even imagine how good it was to be there watching it live, but even better playing it. You must have had some piss up after that, eh? It wasn't too mental, in fairness. It was good fun. Um, I think, again, COVID kind of struck with us. We weren't able to see any family or any of that. So it was us in the team room and um, we got to sit back, watch a bit of rugby and just had a few beers together and kind of just enjoyed the victory. Um, I think most lads were so knackered afterwards that it was tough to get any kind of party going. Um, but we certainly, we stayed up till late enough, being able to sink a few beers. And I think that's probably the, the way, almost the best way to celebrate games is almost just cele- celebrating between each other, um, enjoying a quiet beer and... I'm sticking together. Yeah, absolutely. Tiger, it feels like 10 years since we crossed paths in Dublin. You looked at me, I looked at you, and there was a kind of nod as whether or not we embraced or just carried on walking. We carried on walking, <laughs> as we know. But when you look at the way that your career has gone, you know, your career over the last two years, what you've experienced, but in the times in which you've experienced it during COVID, is there not an air of sadness? Is there an air of like frustration around but not been able to have all your family be, you know, on the Lions tour and, and experience everything that you're experiencing where you look at three or four years ago, it was just absolute madness. So imagine what you were doing now three or four years ago. Do you want that or do you want a bit of the calm? <laughs> um, I suppose you would look at it and you'd be, you, like, especially the Lions series um, would be the, obviously the standout one where um, I would absolutely love my fiance and uh, my family to be over there watching. Um, you know, it's it's such a huge accomplishment uh, for any player. Um, so, you know, I think having family there would have been incredible. But, um, you know, I don't think it, uh, from the actual learning, from the enjoyment side of things with the team, it didn't that doesn't take away from it because we still got to enjoy each other's company. Kind of me, me players, I probably never would have met if it wasn't for the Lions and, um, you know, get to play alongside them as well. There seemed to be a bit of a shift in the way you boys have been playing uh, attack-wise. Mike Katz probably got his feet a little bit more under the table now. Um, Has there been a a seismic shift from what you think as a player to how you're performing collectively? Um, It seems more focused on attack as well now. I think, like, when Faz took over, he wanted to play a certain way and so did Mike Katz and... 
you know, Paulie coming in and Sai with the D. I think our D's been gotten better and better as time's gone on as well. And they've all wanted us to play a certain way. And, you know, you've probably heard us a lot of the time saying we're trying to work towards something that hasn't really clicked. Like in terms of they set out a way we're playing, we haven't changed much in the past year and a half. We've just kind of gotten better at what they wanted us to do. And I think it's, I think everyone's on the same page now and everyone kind of understands what they're asking of us. And I think that's probably why it's starting to click a lot more. Absolutely. And what influence has Paul O'Connell had since I dominated him two years ago in the ITV <laughs> <Never>. studios? Never. <laughs> well, I, bet I won the line out. Nearly went through the wall. Yeah, I don't know. I did not too many people who can dominate Paul. Very true. I say that an absolute jest. He's a warrior. Um, what influence has he had, Ty, on yourself personally, but the squad and the fact that, it, I mean... He's a monsterman. He's an Irishman through and through. Uh, yeah, he's been huge. You know, his his knowledge around the game is is massive, especially around the lineup. You know, I think our first his first weekend, I think myself, Andy, and Cheese, the three of us had, I think, three two hour meetings just on lineouts. You know, in the first three nights, you know, he's just kind of he, the first while he kind of just wants kind of sat back and let us kind of do our thing, and he kind of tweaked things as he went, and I think he's. You can properly see him have his stamp on how our lineups um gone in the last the last kind of uh, six eight months. It's got it's gotten better and better, and especially around the rook area, which he kind of looks after as well. Um, I think he's having a massive influence there as well. So, uh, yeah, he's been great. He's been great for Ireland and. Um, yeah, really enjoyed having him. Uh, one of the other things I want to ask you about is Simon Zebo coming back to Munster this year. Um, I follow him on social media. He's always doing stuff with a smile on his face. How good is it to have him back? You say always with a smile on his face. He's literally like that in person. I don't think I've not seen him smiling. Nothing phases him. He's he's very happy to to be out there doing his thing, and um, he's he's class for environment. Um, yeah, so really enjoyed having him having him back in Munster. What kind of shape is he in, Ty? I mean, because looking at him in Paris just visually I don't know whether it was the white and blue stripes <laughs> what are you being horrible what, well he was enjoying the baguettes or the red wine I, I mean I don't know if he's on the vape as well I doubt he is he wants to play for Ireland but what kind of shape's he in well there's not there's not too many baguettes to get in Ireland so uh our panda shop lad so he's in good shape there again if he was in bad shape um I didn't know Jim. him back then so um but you yeah, know he's he, he's sorted himself out if that was the case <laughs> yeah, he has sorted himself out. Just from what I can see, aesthetically. Jim, Jim, you're horrible. And, and then last thing on that, on Munster, obviously Graham Roundtree having a massive impact. We've seen the news that Stephen Larkham's going back to the Brumbies uh, to be head coach for next season. Um, how's Graham Roundtree? And tell me you call him Wiggy about his ears. He loves being called Wiggy. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> what do you call him, Ty? Do you call him Graham? No, I call him Wig. Okay, just stick a wire so in the end, yeah. be fine. Just put, yeah, just put, yeah. <laughs> or Wigsville <laughs> when he was at Georgia. That's <laughs> um, no, great. But he's had a big impact, right, as well over there. Yeah, huge. Um, especially personally, I think he's been he's been really good for me. I think I've had a lot of one on ones with him after games, kind of reviewing games and kind of seeing where I can improve and what I kind of need to focus on. And he's been he's been class around that area. Um, so I've really enjoyed him. And when he has his one-on-ones with you, do you ever just stare at his ears and just think, wow. <laughs> He's impeccable ears. <laughs> he has. You know them they're ears? Really he, they, 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 were, they weren't even in a scrum. Apparently, he was on the streets of Hinkley and he wanted to look hard because he, he weren't that hard or he didn't look that hard. He is hard. And he was getting his mate, Darren Garforth, to knee him in the ears so he could get big ears. They're, they're not from playing <laughs> rugby at all. So don't be just fooled. Traffic. 
All right, Tyg, thank you so much for coming on, mate. Really appreciate you taking the time to come and talk to us and uh, best of luck this weekend. Cheers, Andy. No, not, not too much luck, though. It's the Mighty Wasps. Come, <laughs> come upstairs right. for the Q&A. Mate, come upstairs bring, for the Q&A. We'll be fine. I'll get you bring your fourth team. I think you'll be all right. Are you going to spit that bag again? Behind the cash? <laughs> no, I don't, mate. I do it for the love of the game. You know that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cheers, Tyg. Cheers, pal. Cheers, mate. All right, lads. Cheers. Top, top, lad. Friend of the yeah, show. He is. Yeah, he is. Um, he, he didn't talk about his highlight of the year, though, disappointingly. Which was what? Well, I bumped into me and my missus with him and his missus in a restaurant in Portugal, post-Lions tour. I chewed mm. the ear off him for about five minutes and he's like, oh, luckily for him, I think he just finished his dinner as I was starting. So mine was getting cold. And I'm thinking, hey, Ty, that's enough, mate. My fucking dinner's on the table. <laughs> <laughs> need to move on. Uh, but no, good lad. Um, very, very unassuming, isn't he? Like a nicely, quietly spoken guy, but my God, what a player. Absolutely. I think it's hard for him to probably speak as well for the lads that are still in South Africa. But let's be honest, could you fucking imagine yeah, being there? Not no. that we dislike South Africa, but you're that far from home. So you look at Matthew Morgan's tweet, and yeah. I can't remember what he said. He's obviously raging about it, and he's blaming the URC. When there's a blame, there's a claim. And then he deletes the tweet and takes down his Twitter, so he's obviously been advised. But these are young lads with families stuck in South Africa. Not that South Africa is a horrible country, we love it, but like Tyg said there, they don't even know if they're coming over for Christmas, let yeah. alone when they're playing rugby next. So that's where, I mean, I don't want to get political and start blaming governments. Obviously, everyone's under their own pressures, but I just hope they're being supported. I'm sure they are. I know the URC put a tweet out saying that thanking the South African Rugby Union and, and, and people and the hashtag rugby family and stuff. But yeah, nonetheless, messy situation. But I suppose the positive is, is that we're going to see rugby at the weekend if that is a positive, not a life positive, but a rugby positive. It is tough though, isn't it? Like no one can imagine being stuck out there. And you've probably got a quarantine when you come back at this end as well. You know, it's like you just got a feel for them, haven't you? being locked up in a room. I remember the first day I got to South Africa when I played for the Sharks. We'd come back from a tour in Australia and New Zealand. Went straight to the hotel. There was no hot water in the hotel. I'm just like... Oh, no. Wow. Well, no? how do you wash your hands? When you sit there and have a you know, good half an hour on the bog, there was no water, not even hot water. There was no water in the hotel. So not only could you not flush properly, and it was just All right, well, that's different. Oh, <laughs> my gosh, yeah. <laughs> in a and carrier then, bag uh, out the window. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing it, you know and I'm not, that's not a, a slight on South Africa at all but I love the country but you are miles away from home and some of them will be dads some of them will have kids you know missing the missus some might not miss the missus some might be you know quite happy with a few days away but it, there's no doubt it will get to people and you just hope there is support there for the right reasons well let's have a look ahead then to the Champions Cup the EPCR have changed the rules to allow a lot of new players to be registered, but is this competition starting with an asterisk because of those players stuck in South Africa? Well, they've said they can forfeit if they want, so there's an out for you. I mean, what a thing to say. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, for, forfeit like, it if you want. It, it should, as in, off you go. There's a, there, there's a way out here for you. I know you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. We're in a jam-packed season. Oh, I don't know. I think there's a level of frustration for a number of reasons. One, probably personally. Yeah, I thought. I think we all thought we were out of this personally, didn't we? And then we saw the Autumn Nations yeah. Cup went so well uh, with fans and the level of rugby and then what we've seen over the last couple of weeks. So I think there's a level of frustration. There's a level now of who knows, we don't know. 
And the EPCR stepped up and said, obviously, that, that you can register some players and if you want to forfeit, you can forfeit it. I mean, it takes a shine off the competition, let's be honest, it does. Because we're talking about one of the best teams in the competition, not that it matters how good your team is, but if we're talking about Munster, who probably would be wanting to go full noise for it, they ain't going full noise. So they're not going to be rescheduled. They can forfeit if they want. They probably won't. They're only playing wasps. <laughs> <laughs> what are you on about? Uh, only playing I know, wasps. I know, but yeah, but you know, it's going to be tough for them. On the positive side, you know, with the competition kicking off this weekend, are there any big games in particular that you guys are looking forward to? Well, if you watch a BT Sport on Friday night, I'll be commentating on the big one, Leon versus Gloucester. Oh, nice, mate. Yeah. Is that the same time as Saints against Racing? Oh, I don't know. I've, I'll I'm probably only watch focusing that one, on yeah. my game. <laughs> <laughs> well, Gloucester have gone full noise. Half the team are in Dubai, so uh, they're going big for it, which I don't think they are. They're concentrating on the Prem um, for obvious reasons. But yeah, I mean, Goody just said, Northampton flying this season in terms of how they're playing up against Racing. That's a real test, is it not? Yeah, it is. And Racing, you know, Racing have lost the last two weeks in the top 14 as well. So Saints going in with a bit of confidence. Uh, Finn Russell needs a five guys and he'll be all right if he's fit. The big one, though, obviously top of the league in, in Leicester, top of the Premiership. They're playing over in Bordeaux, who are top of the top 14. For me, that's a massive game. Uh, I have the pleasure, actually, of being in BT Sports Studios for that as well, James. So we both got a BT this weekend. Yeah, it's a miracle, isn't it? How are you doing Bordeaux Tigers? And I'm doing Gloucester Leo, our captain of Gloucester. That's why. Yeah, you captain Gloucester. I won the European Cup twice with Leicester, so I don't know. Played, very in, true. played in France. Played in France with Breed as well. Humbly, humbly. Yeah, very humbly. True. Yeah, massive games. Obviously, you always look at the big guns. Um, you know, Claremont are always a team that are touted around. They're actually not going that well in the top fourteen at the minute. They're playing Ulster. Ulster, massive test for them. Exeter against Montpellier. Montpellier are flying in the top fourteen. Exeter obviously have had some indifferent form, but got a bit of. Their juices flowing again against Saracens with a victory. Yeah, I mean, you can't look further on Sunday than Wasps against Munster at the Compton Building Society Arena, boys. That notoriously, historically, was a proper game. I mean, we're talking about yeah. two European giants yeah. there. And I think, like Goody said, I think there's a romance around the tournament. And we've both, lucky enough, between us to have won four European Cups, can't believe that's rolling off the tongue as seamlessly as it is, but it is. It's a wicked competition. Do you know what I mean? It is so good. It's the best tournament to play in as a club player. And Wasps and Munster, Leicester, Toulouse, you know, Saracens, I know they're in the Challenge Cup just They ain't in it. What are you on about? They They ain't in it. Yeah, but they're still in the... Yeah, it's not a great comp, the other one. Am I commentating on that one? Yeah, I am, yeah. So I probably don't want to undersell it. Um, but you look at some of the... You know, Clemont, I know they've not won it, but they won the Challenge Cup. There's history in this competition, and that's what's amazing about it. And we've got a big game. Goody mentioned it, just going back to his point. Wasp versus Munster. You know, the black versus the red. It's synonymous with European history. So it's gone on the days where you've got Paul O'Connell... Donico O'Callaghan up against Simon Shaw, Lawrence Delalio. You know, these just naming four great players there. But nonetheless, in Cov, it's going to be great because me and Goody are from Cov and Samoan Joseph Waswin, my goodness me. And Carey's. Do you remember Carey's? Oh, do I? I got banned from Carey's because on a New Year's Eve, a guy called Yam Yam from Birmingham is on the stage, start bollock naked. No word of a lie. He was called Le Elephant, right? He was called Le Elephant. I got barred because they thought it was me on stage. And I'm like, no, Le Pip. 
Like I am not. Yam yam. I'm a squirrel. <laughs> From Carey's nightclub. A couple of couple of unbelievable scraps in there as well. <laughs> nice. Got oh, Superman got punched. Bad. Yeah, got Superman punched over the dance floor. Didn't flinch. So. <laughs> Can you look past Leinster? to win the competition I'm asking you to crystal crystal ball gaze here a little bit but can you look past Leinster and are there any dark horses that you think could spring a few surprises and make it all the way I'd love to see a Bordeaux or someone like that come through it's just someone a little bit different to challenge them uh, Montpellier like Goody said have got some real quality in there Quinns you know what can Quinns do in this tournament a rhetorical question we'll find out they're playing against Castro which is a tough place to go and play on Sunday so um, I don't know. I, Leinster are obviously phenomenal. They've been great in the URC. They got undone against Ulster. Um, they are probably the team, Andrew, would you say still? Yeah, I mean, again, you go back to what happened last year. Toulouse, La Rochelle in the final. Um, you know, two huge teams. Toulouse were, you, know, you look across their team, I know there's no Cheslin Colby now, but they've got worldies across their whole team. You know, when you've got DuPont and Untermach as your halfbacks, they... You know, they're, they're going to set the tone. They play Cardiff first round away from home and Cardiff has said, look, we'll just take on the game, even though they've had all the disruption as well. So you look at them, La Rochelle, a, a massive outfit. You know, they're still going to be there or thereabouts. And it will come down to, you know, I, I read Johnny Sexton said this week that the season will be a failure if Leinster don't win the Champions Cup. So that's how much pressure they put on themselves to try and win it. And, you know, they fell short against La Rochelle last year in terms of the power game. But that was kind of what happened with Irish rugby a little bit over the last 18 months and now look at what they've done you think Leinster Leinster pretty much beat the All Blacks on their own um, a few weeks back so uh, yeah I'll, I'll convince myself Leinster are going to win it Jim who, who are you picking to win it? I, I was going to say Leicester but I, I, know, on, I know they're not no they, they're, they're not what, what do you mean you know they're not? they wouldn't beat Leinster they wouldn't beat Leinster I think they struggle against a Racing or a Toulouse Bath they've got Bordeaux <laughs> Why have you been horrible? To lose. Here we go. To lose. Back to back, eh? Yeah. Not many, I think... hey, not, not many teams have gone back to back, James. I'm not very confident, but I've just said it because they're a big name and because they're playing Cardiff in Pool B and they've got the easiest pool because they've got Collard, Why you being horrible and Stade Francais. So that's why I'm saying to lose. They've got an easier pathway to the knockout stages. Right. Well, let's finish things off then with the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, loads of good this week. Uh, we're going to start off. We mentioned. Someone in the good last week that did something pretty special and pretty huge for charity. Kevin Sinfield's run uh, from Leicester to Leeds. They've ended up raising over two million quid, but also in the sidelines that kind of got missed a little bit because of how big Kevin Sinfield's run was. Will Finley, massive shout out to him, part of the SNC team at Leicester Tigers. Uh, he's ran 30 half marathons in 30 days to raise money for the Youngs family. Obviously, we know the sad news around Tiff Youngs. But the last day, he did a full marathon. So, um, how are your blisters? Hell of an effort from Will Finley. Certainly gets a, a mention in the good this week. We talked just recently about top 14. Bordeaux get a mention. They actually beat Toulouse this weekend in the top 14, the battle of the top two to go top. So, Bordeaux looking pretty good in that league at the minute. Fantastic result for them beating Toulouse at home. We're going to go over to a little bit of sevens now, James. Spain. Did you see this? No. Espanol. The Spanish oui. beat, si. beat Fiji. Beat Fiji, James, in the Dubai Sevens. Not only did they beat them, they spanked them 33-19. Yes, it was a young Fiji team, but it's the first time Spain have ever beaten Fiji on the Sevens circuit. So, big tip of the slipper to them. 
I think Haskell was their DJ. <laughs> <laughs> he was, he was. What else was good? Ospreys beat Ulster. 19 points to 13. Stephen Myler, about 42 years of age, still rocking it there for them. So big shout out to the Ospreys. Uh, over in the Premiership, Lewis Liner's individual effort, I thought was pretty special at uh, Leicester Tigers at the weekend. Um, really like him as a player. Lovely hairdo as well. Lewis Ludlam for Northampton. He was pretty good. 18 tackles and four turnovers for Saints at the weekend in their domination of Bath. Leicester Tigers, we've got to give them a mention. Nine from nine in the Premiership and also... Played 2-1-2 in the Premiership Cup as well. So overall this season, Leicester Tigers played 11, won 11 after their victory over Quinns at the weekend to sit top of the league still. Well, I think with that as well, Dan Kelly got three turnovers as well and won to win them the game at the end. Yeah, how good was Dan Kelly? He was class. class. Absolute class. What else? London Irish. I think that's seven wins from eight for those boys after they dismantled... Newcastle Falcons after their seven-hour drive down. That's what Dino kept blaming the result on. But yeah, Irish, especially Ollie Hassel-Collins with a hat-trick as well. They look pretty special at times, ball in hand. Gloucester are going to get a mention in the good, James. An apology as well. I thought about giving it to them, James, but I couldn't quite give it to them. One more win. Beat Leon at the weekend. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But it's their first win over Bristol since 2018, so uh, a good performance by those boys. But the good this week, James, has to go to an old club of mine. It always does. It doesn't always have to, but it does this week. We've put them in the bad plenty of times. I think Chris Ashton has left there now, which means the has truth he left the building. Well I, well, I don't know. I think well, it's in. It's in, I think it's still in the hands of lawyers. But Worcester Warriors are going to get the good this week. They've been in the bad plenty of times. It was their first win over Wasps in eight years at the weekend. Duan van der Merwe was ridiculously good. So yeah, Worcester Warriors they get the good this week. Here, here. Uh The bad. Uh, a few bits of bad, really. Uh, Bristol's lost at Gloucester, and they're down in 12th in the Premiership. Uh, not great for them at the minute, uh, but they don't lose, they just learn. That's what Pat Lamb says, right, James? Whatever that means. I'm built from the Philosopher's Stone as well, and I'll take it. Bath are going to get mentioned in the bad again this week. Um, I'm not going to give it to them, but they've lost again at Saints. They've now played 10, lost 10 in all competitions, and they've got Leinster and La Rochelle up next, so uh, it doesn't get any Goodness, easier. Man. In fact, it gets even harder. Have a couple um, of weeks off, lads. What? Yeah. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Going to be tough for Bath over the next few weeks. Breathe, get a mention in the bad this week, James. Did see it. What happened? They lost 41-0 at Leon. Not a great performance. And they're now three points off the bottom two in the top 14. So uh, they've been dragged back into the relegation scrap. But the bad this week goes to an old club of mine as well, James. Well, where are we going now? It's not the Sharks. It's nope. not Worcester. It's going to a club that you won't want to associate yourself with if they get under put on them at the weekend by Munster, isn't it? No, it's not, James. It's not. Going it's not to Wasps. Wasps. No, it's going to the ill discipline of Saracens and the back chat from Billy Napoleon. <laughs> no, you just, you just, you just can't back chat referees anymore, James. So that was bad. It was a bad look for the game, wasn't it, James? Discipline Can't was complain. poor. Cost true, true. We'll we be had, back. We had, we'll be. I thought you were Gloucester. No, I was Gloucester on Friday night. Saracens uh, okay. on Saturday. The Saracens boys aren't talking to you anymore. They've unfollowed you on social media, haven't they? Well, a couple of them have, yeah, and they probably will do after this as well. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> there we go. So that gets the bad this week. Uh, and then the ugly. Uh, only one bit of ugly I could find really this weekend, and it was Joshua Tuasova, who got red carded for Leon for an elbow to the head of a brief player. So, uh, Joshua Tuasova, you get the ugly this week. Thanks, Scooty. Thanks, Jim. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify as well. Rugby spot.
Spotify, Pod, 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 Pod. 